welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements or times when the scriptures became real to us, because we think when they're real, it helps us draw more power from them, and we need all the power we can get. I'm your host, Kerry Mulstein, and I'm so excited to have my guest today, a, a dear friend since, I don't know, probably like 1993 or something like that. Maybe that makes us both sound old. Yeah. This is my dear friend, uh, Gay Strathern, who has been uh, my colleague in ancient scripture, I mean, we were both adjunct uh, before we were full-time together, and now she's the associate dean here in our College of Religious Education, uh, a fantastic scholar, but more than that, a fantastic teacher. Uh, her specialty is in, in New Testament, but she knows so much more than that, and you'll hear that in a moment. Uh, but uh, most importantly to me, a fantastic person, um, a, a dear, kind soul. Oh, in fact, I've just thought of a story you probably don't want me to tell, and we can cut it out if you edit it out if you don't want. But, but this will give you an idea of how kind Gay is. Uh, my very so, as I said, we were both adjunct professors for a long time, and then Gay came back full time. I think you were still working on your dissertation, but came back full time, and then I I was at BYU Hawaii, and then I came back, and my first semester, I think, I was uh, going to teach full time here, and we did a social event. Uh, and we were playing laser tag. And uh, I, I think they'd given us some rules about not sticking your gun through a hole or so. I can't remember. But I remember seeing uh, there, there was this little blind and there was a hole in it. And I thought, I think I see someone in there. And, and so I stuck my little gun through so I could shoot whoever was over there. But the, what was in there was Gay's eye being stuck up to the hole. And I knocked her in the eye with that gun, gave her a great big shiner that she had to start uh, the semester teaching with this great big black eye and uh, and I'd been stupid in doing it and uh, gay was never I mean I'm sure it hurt and I'm sure it was not fun to go to all the events at the beginning of the year and all everything with a big black eye um, but I, I never heard anything negative it was always it's okay it's okay don't worry about it that's the kind of person gay is just a good kind person so welcome gay Thank you, Kerry. Uh, yeah, that was a fun game playing laser tag with you. Yeah, until then, huh? <laughs> we can laugh about it now, right? That's right. In fact, I, I may have, I think I have still up above my door. I, I taped it above my door right then because I, I, I got the high score in that game. So I, I've had it in my office ever since. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Gabe. My, our audience will obviously be able to hear that you're not from uh, Spanish Park or any place. So uh, where are you from? And, from and tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm from a little place in uh, Queensland, Australia. Um, I grew up in a place called Redcliffe. Uh, it was a really, really small branch of the church and um, like a dependent branch initially. And uh, so uh, I uh, went to school, uh, college and got a degree in physical therapy. And uh, I practiced with that for a number of years, but uh, from a very young age, my love of the scriptures kind of just peaked and just grew and grew and grew and um, lots of opportunities in a really small branch of the church to, to serve in ways that you wouldn't normally and a lot of those were teaching and so that just kind of fed into my interest in and loving of the scriptures so. Um, uh, a friend of mine and I backpacked around the world, uh, and uh, I said if we're doing that I want to go to Israel and. Uh, um, had a wonderful time with a let's go Europe in one hand and a Bible in the other and let's see what we could find couldn't afford a, a guide of course but uh, that was just a wonderful experience and then I just came back and that fed more and uh, 
uh, I came to BYU at um, because after I heard President Faust at our state conference talking about the Jerusalem Center opening up. And uh, uh, I had kind of visited the site when I was backpacking. Um, but when he said that, I thought, yeah, I, that's something I would like. So I left and uh, went there for a semester. And uh, I thought I had died and gone to heaven, honestly. Yeah. Uh, uh, just studying there, um, having people who knew the text and studied um, with it uh, just reinforced to me uh, what studying of the Bible can can do and how powerful it becomes. So that kind of just led to things. And I came home, went on my mission and decided to come to BYU afterwards just because I loved the Jerusalem experience so much. Good. Yeah. Then you you went and got a graduate degree at uh, Claremont Graduate School, right? Uh, yeah, I got a, a BA and a master's at BYU and then went to Claremont Graduate School. It's changed its name. It's Claremont Graduate University now. And so mm. um, my degree was in um, New Testament and Christian origins. And mm. uh, yeah, while I was in master's here, I started teaching some classes, some religion classes, here and I loved that and so that's really why I went to get the degree because I love physical therapy but um, by then I knew that I loved teaching and so the only way to do that was that I had to go back to school yeah yeah and we were we overlapped in that uh, teaching part that I don't think they do that anymore but we they let us both uh, teach and and Frank Judd uh, well we had uh, we were we were working on our masters we didn't have a masters yet so only had a bachelor's but we don't do that anymore but uh, but it worked well for us so it was good yeah 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 it's uh, i fell in love with it then too well thank you gay uh, and as we said uh, our our focus here is just times where the scriptures have become real and i know uh, we'll, we'll certainly have to have you back on when we do New Testament stuff. Um, but having taught at the Jerusalem Center and, and been a student there and backpack there, you've had lots of experiences there that uh, have made some things become real to you uh, in, in other ways. So uh, I think today we have some, a couple of stories we were going to talk about. Why don't you uh, take us through some of that? Okay, well, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, Lachish. Uh, which was one of the ancient cities mentioned in the uh, Old Testament. Um, and uh, it was uh, very prominent because it played a role in um, uh, both, well, in lots of places, but the two tonight, to, today we can talk on is um, the Assyrian uh, invasion of Israel and then going down into Judah and then um, the later Babylonian um, invasion as well. So what we're talking about here today is really some some background for some really important events in Second Kings, Second Chronicles, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and things like that. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and Lachish is such a fantastic site. I'm I'm anxious to talk about it. So, all right. Okay. So um, the first one is um, dealing with the uh, Assyrian uh, uh, conquering. Uh, we all know that they're kind of up there in the northern kingdom and they go through a series of invasions. Um, and this is the time when the lost tribes are taken away. Um, what is sometimes maybe we don't emphasize, it's the same kind of time period that they also, the Assyrian army also went down into the southern kingdom and um, was really quite destructive there as well. 
Um, and in fact, uh, most of the major cities were destroyed then as well, except for um, Jerusalem. And Lachish is kind of one of those, those experiences. So what's kind of interesting is that we have the record in the biblical account, um, but we also have some records from the Assyrian perspective, which I think is always very interesting to do. And so what's happening in the, the, the Old Testament and Second Kings is that um, Hezekiah um, makes uh, an alliance with the Assyrians. He doesn't want uh, the same kind of things that happened in the north to happen to Judea as well. But um, whenever you enter into those kind of alliances, they're, they're really, really expensive because you have to pay tribute, which is hard for any king to come up with. And so Hezekiah... Um, uh, says he's going to stop paying that tribute, and that's when the Assyrian army is going to focus on um, on the southern kingdom. So there's. Uh, I just want to read you something from the Taylor Prism, which you can now find in the British Museum, but it gives the Assyrian description of what's happening. So this is what it says. Because Hezekiah, king of Judah, would not submit to my yoke, I came up against him, and by force of arms and by the might of my power, I took 46 of his strong fenced or meaning walled cities, and of the smaller towns which were scattered about, I took and plundered a countless number. And from these places, I took and carried off 200,156 persons, old and young, male and female together with horses and mules, asses, camels, oxen, sheep, and a countless number. So the destruction that we associate with the Northern Kingdom is also happening in the Southern, Southern Kingdom. And one of the things about um, Lachish, which is one of those cities, so they would have come down conquering some of these major walled cities. And then the last city that they do that before going up to Jerusalem is this, this city of Lachish. Um, and one of the fun things in this Assyrian uh, warfare that uh, scholars have found, archaeologists have found, in Sennacherib's palace in Nineveh, all of these reliefs that are depicting um, some of these battles, and particularly um, the, um, the conquering of Lachish. And so there's a subscription here again from Sennacherib. Sennacherib, the mighty king of the country of Assyria, sitting on the throne of judgment before, or it might read, or at the entrance of the city of Lachish. I give permission for its slaughter. So that's, that's really um, kind of impressive. Right? Yeah. yeah, and the, the, I mean, it's amazing depictions. You can see the siege towers and archers and all sorts of stuff going on there. Yeah, and so, um, you know, even if you go there today, and this is the fun part, right? Uh, you can see, so one of the ways that they'd lay siege is um, that they'd build this ramp um, that would allow, allow their, um, oh, what do you call those things? The, the siege towers. and Siege towers, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Come in. And, and if you go to Lachish today, though, that ramp is still there. Yeah. Right? And so you can see it and uh, have a, an experience with that. And, and in, it's kind of a way of um, defending themselves against this ramp. They kind of do these, um, they try and uh, fortify the walls so those siege machines won't get, and you can see the places where they've, they've um, fortified them. So that's kind of really 
exciting thing to happen. So, uh, for example, um, uh, we also find in part of the archaeologists in part of this area found 103 arrowheads. Yeah, and in a small section. Yeah. I think it's a five by five meters square. They find 103 arrowheads from the that battle. So, which is really pretty amazing. So, when you're there in Lakish, this battle isn't just um, words on a page, as we're um, reading in Second Kings or other places, but this it now becomes really alive as um, um, as as something real, right? Yeah. In fact, maybe I'll just add. I've I've been there. Uh, where you, you can be at the top, you can see where, like you said, where that tower or the, the, the ramp was, and that's the area where they found all those arrowheads was right at where the ramp was hitting up against the wall. And I've been up on top of the wall looking down uh, on that ramp. And you can still see today if you just look in the dirt a little bit, I, I didn't take them because that would be illegal, but you can see um, sling stones. So these yep. are stones that they've, they've made uh, round so that the sling that the guys down below are slinging uh, up there trying to kill the guys who are up on the wall, trying to, uh, uh, you know, protect it. And still today, there are stones that are left over there uh, from this battle that happened in, in 700. So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. And so and then it gives kind of life then. So maybe we could turn um, to Second Kings mm -hmm. and just read a couple of passages here. And I'm just thinking here um, of Second Kings 19. So, so what happens is that um, the king is going to send, Sennacherib is going to send some of his um, leaders, um, probably from Lachish, but up to Jerusalem. And, um, and they're going to get up there and uh, they're going to start making this pronouncement to Jerusalem, talking about how Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. One of the things I think it's important for us to understand is one of the greatest weapons in antiquity were not always siege machines and, and uh, um, uh, things like that, but it's the ability to instill fear yeah. in their opponents. And, and this is what Rabshakeh is doing and what Sennacherib is wanting Rabshakeh to do, to go up and to stand outside Jerusalem and talk about all of the, the horrible things that are going to happen to Jerusalem if they don't give in. And so we have the people in the walls in Jerusalem and the leaders saying, you know, don't speak Hebrew, speak, speak, speak your language, because we can understand because they don't want the people to hear what he's saying. He's saying, no, 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 no. I'm wanting everybody to hear what's going to, to happen to you. Yeah. And um, in fact, this is part of how the Assyrians maintained their empire was just by scaring the dickens out of everyone. So that if you did rebel, they made you suffer so much that the word got around and you'd hear uh, about it and you'd be afraid. So, and, and that would happen even in the same area going from town to town. So uh, in Lachish, they were flaying people and, and all sorts of things, knowing that word of that would get to Jerusalem so that then when they come there, everyone in Jerusalem is scared to death. Yes. Yep. So they're doing all of this. And you can imagine what Hezekiah is thinking. And, and in fact, Hezekiah uh, sends a, a letter to, to them and says, you know, I, I made a mistake. Um, please forgive me. Um, I'm willing to pay whatever it takes. Please don't come against against us. Um, and so even he see, feels some of this fear that's associated. But then Hezekiah is also going to, to go to the prophet Isaiah. And so in chapter 19, verses 6, this is what Isaiah says to him. 
Thus shall ye say to your master, thus saith the Lord, be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. So one of the things they're saying, you think your God is going to save you, but where are the gods of all of these people I've destroyed? They didn't show up and, and your God probably won't show up as well. But Isaiah says, verse 7, Behold, I will send a blast upon him that he shall hear a rumor and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. So Isaiah is saying, don't be afraid. Continue to trust in God, because I will take care of, of this Assyrian army. Um, and that's what happens. So the Bible tells us that... Um, that an angel of the Lord came during the night and wiped out 150,000 people. Sennacherib wasn't there. He was in another place, but he also had to go home. Um, and while he's at home, two of his sons put him to death. I think yeah. scholars would say that, um, uh, that he's hearing of the political turmoil in Assyria, and so he leaves off Jerusalem to go back and um, to take care of things in Assyria and in Nineveh. Yeah, yeah. So I think the army is drawn away by an Egyptian army that shows up and they are drawn away there. And then he's going, it's a number of it's, these rumors are happening that that Isaiah talked about. And, uh, and then God takes care of them when they're gone. So yeah, but but what's really interesting, I think, is that pretty much everything in Judea is destroyed. Yeah, except for Jerusalem, because the hand of the Lord was there, right? That's the, the point of the Bible that that there's lots of fearful things going in, but you've got to learn to trust me. Um, and you've got to learn to trust me, not just saying, oh, God will look after me, because as we'll see with the, the next, the Babylonian invasion, uh, you've got to be living the covenants uh, that you've made and not just relying on God's aspect of the covenants, but the people themselves have to show their loyalty to the Lord through the not just making of covenants, but keeping of covenants, which yes. I think is what... President Nelson is trying to get us to understand this, this emphasis on covenants as well. Yeah. Yep, I would so agree. Okay, so about a century after this experience, uh, probably during the reign of Josiah, um, 640 to 609 BC, uh, Lachish is rebuilt and uh, fortified with solid stone walls. Um, However, in 586, during the time of Zedekiah, um, the king of Judah and the prophet uh, Jeremiah, Micah, and some others, Nebuchadnezzar is going to, Assyria's kind of been in decline politically, militarily, and um, Babylon is on the rise, and they're taking out Assyria, and they kind of become um, the major power, probably at the Battle of Carchemish is... Mm -hmm. um, and from there, he's going to come down and he's going to come to Jerusalem as well. So uh, in 586, after this kind of a period of time where, you know, he's put puppet kings on uh, the throne in Jerusalem and again, they rebel and, and things like that. He's going to come down and, and to, just, to um, lay siege to Jerusalem again. Again, we find uh, this story is in 2 Kings 24 and 25, Jeremiah 26 and some other places, Chronicles 36. But they're the, the, the scriptural passages that are backing up what we have, um, what we know for elsewhere. So, for example, 
Um, I like Jeremiah 34, 6 and 7. Well, mm, cut that. Uh, Jeremiah is kind of an interesting prophet here um, because what he's not saying to the people in Jerusalem is um, you're going, you need to fight against the, the Babylonians and, uh, and I will be with you and I will protect you. Um, yeah. Instead, Jeremiah is saying, yeah, you guys have been breaking your covenants long enough. Uh, God is actually going to be with the Babylonians here. And um, if you choose to stay in Jerusalem, you are going to be destroyed. So the only way that uh, you can live is to surrender. And um, um, that's the only way you're going to, to survive this, which is kind of very different than most other things that we read about in the Old Testament, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. That means that Jeremiah isn't seen in a very positive light. That causes them to arrest him and throw him into a miry pit of a dungeon and all sorts of things like that but but this is what uh, in jeremiah 34 6 and 7 then jeremiah the prophet spake all of these words unto zedekiah king of judah in jerusalem when the king of babylon's army fought against jerusalem and against all of the cities of judah that were left against lachish and against azekar for these defensed or fortified cities remained of of the cities of judah so again, we're getting Lachish becomes an important part um, of this, this story about what is going to end up going up to Jerusalem. So one of the things, there's a couple of things I love about Lachish in this story. Um, number one is that, um, that in the gate of the city, archaeologists um, unearth some ostraca that date from this time period. Um, and let's just define ostraca if that's yeah, okay. yeah. well you, you're better at this than me Kerry but uh, oh but it's a Greek pottery, word but okay yeah uh, that's broken but being written on yeah that's exactly right pottery is the scratch paper of the ancient world uh, and so uh, they don't have a lot of uh, we don't find and maybe it's just because it didn't survive but we don't find a ton of papyri flying around the country or anything most of their little notes and messages are are going on broken pieces of pottery yeah and so they find some of these, and this is a kind of a the one side of a, some correspondence that's going on. And what's really important about it is that this is kind of going on during this time of Jeremiah, during this time of the Babylonians kind of coming down. And, um, and again, people are hearing the stories of what the Babylonians are doing um, as well because of this, this fear factor. And so um, there's, there's three of them that I kind of that I'm interested in and one more than those than than the other two. But in letters two and six, we're just kind of getting a, a general kind of description of the things that are going on at this time during Jeremiah's time. Jeremiah is never mentioned here um, by name, but just generally some things that kind of may be reflective of some of the things that we're also reading in Jeremiah. So in letter three, um, with this conversation, there's this mention of the prophet is saying, be on guard, right? So we've got these prophetic voices uh, saying that we have to be careful because something important is, is happening with um, the Babylonians coming. And then in letter six, now this is a really kind of broken, um, and there's lots of holes in it, so we don't get the full text. 
but in one part of it, we get um, some language that's um, quite similar to what we see in Jeremiah. When Jeremiah is saying kind of things like, yeah, don't fight them. Um, the only way you're going to survive is to, to surrender and those kind of things. You know, that kind of language isn't positive when you're in battle, right? Right. Um, and, and Jeremiah talks about how uh, this, this weakens the hands of, of the people and things. So in letter six, again, it's very fragmented, but uh, we get this, please read this. Behold the words of, and there's a hole. We don't want a hole there. We would love it to say prophet, but it's a hole. But whoever the words of this person, they're not good um, because they're, and there's the language, um, they're not good because they're saying to weaken your hands, and then there's a hole again, and to inhibit the hands of the men. Very similar to the language that we're seeing in Jeremiah. But again, we don't know that this is talking about Jeremiah specifically, but it does give us this idea here of, of the kind of the cultural and social events that take about and the fear that's going around and that some people seem to be saying things that are going to not be helpful and not help the soldiers in their battle. Um, yep. And there are a number of prophets at this time besides Jeremiah. I mean, there's Ezekiel, Lehi. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're talking about Lehi. It seems more likely Jeremiah. It could be someone else, someone that Micah. is a yeah, Micah. And it, and it could be maybe a military leader who has listened to Jeremiah and is repeating his words or, or whatever, right? But uh, you're right. that it, There's clear evidence that the kind of thing we see in Jeremiah where they are the, the people who are helping to organize the rebellion against Babylon are clearly undermined by having a prophet who says, that's not going to work. Yeah. You're going to suffer if you do that. Uh, and uh, of course, you want to stop that in the midst of your troops and so on. And it's having an effect. So whether this is Jeremiah or someone, another prophet or someone who's heard the prophets, you can see with absolute surety that that kind of thing is happening in the same way it's reported in, in Jeremiah, as you said. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of those times for me that the scriptures become very real. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. And so then the last one of these, and this is probably the most famous, is letter four. And, um, and I'm just going to read to you what it says. It's just kind of a small couple of sentences. And again, they're talking about the invasions and, and what's happening with the Babylonians and this sense of fear is coming through. Again, and may my Lord be apprised that we are watching for the fire signals of Lachish, according to all of the signals which my Lord has given, because we cannot see the fire signal of Azikar. Yeah. Now, um, in my mind, you've got to think here about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Movies, right? In fact, I always showed that to my students right before we went to location. And I was like, I showed that little clip. Yeah, yeah. Because of all of these fire signals, right? They don't have cell phones and they don't have sat phones and all of those kind of things. But these fires, then they're on tops from cities that are on tops of mountains. And um, they became kind of signals to other cities of what's happening, especially if you know this invasion is coming and you know that the the, the, the basic route that the army is going to take. And so for them to, to hear that they can no longer see the fires of Azikar means Azikar has fallen. Yeah. Right? The Babylonians have taken them. I um, and so what, what that means then for the people in Lachish is going, uh-oh, where next, right? Yep. Because they're there on the, they're the next city that um, would be laid under siege for so anyway so 
this is why this is so meaningful for me. So when you're in Jerusalem and you're with the students, uh, you take them on field trips, um, lots and lots and lots of field trips, more than anybody else who visits the land. The Jerusalem Centre takes people to trips and, and to sites that many people don't ever go to, right? Oh, yeah. But uh, so we're at the bottom of the tell, and the tell is kind of where the city um, is built, and it's, so it's built up over you know, a period of times of destructions and, and, um, and then it's rebuilt and things like that. And so we're kind of going through this history of Lachish. I was going through the history of Lachish, you know, from when it's first founded and all of these kind of invasions and things. And because we go to so many tells, sometimes the students are kind of, you can see it in their eyes, they're going, oh, goodness, here we go again. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> listening, but, you know. And so we're going through all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're talking about these, these letters of Lachish and talking about uh, letter four and they kind of, you can almost see their eyes rolling, right? Yeah, yeah, it seems so compelling to me. And some of them, you're just like, uh, they're, I remember uh, the phrase, oh, swell, another tell, right? It's, well, uh, I've and, heard another version of Yeah, that. well, there are other versions that rhyme just as well, but, but we won't repeat here, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, but what we were doing there and this, you know, I can't claim any credit for this. I think it was the group before me with Dan Belknap and David Whitchurch. Yeah. But what we try to do is look at this letter four and help the students get a visual of what this is like. So um, what we've done is we have the two buses um, of students. So we were doing this kind of coordinating this so that the other bus was on Azikar as we were on Lakish. Yeah. So, so and I was usually on the bus that was on Azikar. So this would be like you and I doing this together. Yes. Yep, yeah, that's right. And so I'm here talking with the other teacher, if it was you and, and, and everything and trying to set things up, but we have them take this long kind of mirror yeah. up onto the top of the tell. And we start trying to look at the sun and trying to, um, you know, reflect the sun as kind of the equivalent of the fires, right? So we've got a mirror on Azikar and we've got this mirror on Lakish. And again, the students were kind of, what on earth are we going? What, what, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And then all of a sudden, and so what's, what's Azikar? How many miles away is it? It's, uh, I don't know. I don't, I can't remember off the top. Of my I, I know it, it's, it takes a while to drive there, but it, that's not as the crow flies, right? You've got all these hills and valleys. So I, I don't know how far it is uh, as the crow flies. That's a good question. I should have looked it up beforehand, but I I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. Okay. So all of a sudden, one of the students says, I see it, right? And they see this flash and now everybody's attention was there, right? And yeah. they're looking for it. And, and then we see another flash and then we see another flash and I'm on the phone with the other teacher. Can you see us? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all excited because they've seen it as, as well. And um, so now all of a sudden, this letter four of the Lakish Ostrica is really, really important to the students because now they've got a, an experiential rather than just a... Yeah, just cerebral or something, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just looked it up, it's probably about 10 uh, miles somewhere in oh, there. Okay. So. so I exceeded it especially, but I probably... Well, maybe it's, it's 25 kilometers as you drive and it's shorter, so I'm just making an estimate, but anyway. Well, if it's 10 miles, then uh, that's probably more like 20 if you're using uh, metric like me. I'll blame it on that, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
anyway, that was just a wonderful, wonderful experience that you don't get in the classroom, yeah. but you get on site um, to help uh, these stories and these experiences come alive. Yeah, and again, you've got the, this kind of combination of the scriptural. The scriptures talk about the last three cities are Azekah, then Lachish, then Jerusalem, right? And then you get this letter that's in the middle of those three, right? Okay, we, we can't see that, and and it's in Lachish, so you know they're about to hit Lachish, and then from Lachish they go to Jerusalem, and then as you say, you put it, so the, the, I mean those are two little elements that come together, and then when you actually experience it. It is one of those moments where you sit there and think how chilling it would be to be in Lachish and say, the fires are out. We're next. I, that, that would be terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And Lachish is a big fortified city. It's, it's one of the strongest defense cities they had. But if Azeka is falling and everyone else is falling, chances are you're going down within a day or two. You know, you know most likely I'm dead in a day or two. And that's a scary that has to be a chilling feeling. And then somewhere along the line, Jerusalem is going to hear that Azekah yep. has fallen. Yep. Mm. And it's it's elements like that, I think, that, I mean, it's one thing to read them. And it's another to try and put yourself in the position of the soldier or someone that's working with them that, that is living in Lachish and recognize, or Jerusalem or Azekah or any of these cities that fell, and and to think what it meant in terms of um, their feelings, their experience, and so on. Maybe I can just share one other uh, experience I've had at Lakish, uh, if that's all right. That uh, I don't know why I got so emotional the first time I did this, and, and since then, every time I go back and look at this, the emotions come back to me. But there are these couple of gates at Lakish, really big gates, right? That's how they protect the city. And there's the threshold. Uh, that the door would press up against so that, it, uh, you know, you, you kind of block the door up against this stone threshold. It's a wood door, but it's a stone threshold. And you can see those thresholds really clearly today. And uh, I can remember the same kind of thing you're talking about. Like I could see students were kind of starting, it's a hot day and they're starting to zone out. And so I was trying to get them to think about this. And I, I got several of them come up with me and I said, let's put in your mind's eye. There's a door here. Let's, let's put our hands up and try and hold the door. And now think of yourself, there's the Babylonians or the Assyrians are out there and your wife and children are back here behind you and you've got to hold this door shut or they're dying. In the meantime, there's a siege ramp over there and people are dying over there and so on. You know what happens to your wife if they get through. You know your children are going to be sold into slavery if they get through. And I want you to picture what it's like for you right here. And it became so real to me. And my wife and children were with me at the time. Um, it became so real to me. I, I just started weeping. Uh, and I do every time I think about what it would be like for someone in that place at that time and the real pain. I mean, this is real pain that these people went through. Um, and this may be one of those lessons we can can think about, because I also thought, uh, and especially, well, really at the time of even uh, the, the Assyrian or the Babylonian, but as I'm thinking about the Babylonian invasion, and as you're saying, Jeremiah is telling them, you've broken your covenants, God's not going to help you. So all these things they've done to fortify the walls, and all these things they're doing to kind of hold the gate shut, and I'm thinking, this is too late. What you needed to do, you needed to do a month ago, or a year ago, and that was to repent. That's what you needed to do, not 
Bill, I mean, yeah, you, you want to fortify the walls and the gates too, but it's not going to help because you didn't do the other. And, and that struck me very powerfully that um, while I would hate for, uh, you know, my spouse and children and my friends, and, and, and in the meantime, like they're seeing people being flayed out in front because they've taken people from Azeka and they're flaying them in front of, uh, at least with the Assyrians, they're flaying them in front of the walls so that everyone can see what's going to happen to them because they're trying to get them to be afraid, as you said, and give up. Uh, if I don't want that kind of thing to happen to my family, I should have repented a while ago. And, and that has been haunting to me. I always am thinking, what, what do I need to be repenting of now to avoid some metaphor of that? next year in my life yeah yeah and i think that's why it's so important now with uh president nelson talking about covenants and the covenant path and none of us are perfect we make covenants no. and, and it's a journey that we're all on to uh try and become what god hopes that we can become and sees what what um what is possible for us we might not see it but but he does yes um but we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to to need to repent but but keep on the path don't walk away from the path yes keep on it and uh and 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 know that while the things of the world are real um and they're just as real today as they were for the people in Lakish. But God sees not just the narrow um, kind of um, the narrow view of mortality. But Myopic to, to use President Nelson's view, right? Yeah, yeah. God sees things from an eternal perspective. For us, they're everything. But for God, in some ways, they're a, a blip in the screen. Now, I don't say that to kind of um, denigrate the things and the experiences that we're having them. But yeah. God sees them as an opportunity to grow, to learn, to, to, to think seriously about do I need to return and think more seriously about covenants. But it's all there to help us in this mortal covenant journey of becoming the kind yes. of people that we can. And that doesn't happen if, if everything is a garden of roses in our lives. That comes with struggles and difficulties and heartbreak and death sometimes, and all of these things uh, that God sees in the big scope of eternity that we just see in a, in a myopic view. So this is where I think faith comes in and, you know, trusting in God, trusting in God, not just in good times, but when things are really, really tough. And, and, and like the prophet Joseph, we say, oh God, where art thou? Yeah. Right? It's in those moments that... Um, that reflects and kind of maybe gives us a, a, a mirror to look into and see where we're at in terms of, of that journey that we're coming on, that we're all involved with. So well said, so powerful. And, and, and uh, maybe I'll just uh, uh, add a little idea. I mean, it's, it's really just more about what you were saying that uh, in, in terms of the covenant, as you said, we all break the covenant in one way or another, hopefully not great big breaks, but some do that as well, right? But we all break the covenant one way or another. Everyone does. Um, the, the question is not whether you'll ever sin or whether you'll ever, uh, you know, not keep the covenant perfectly. The question is, will you, will you get up and come back when you do? And that's really the question. Are you just going to keep trying? And, and what we have are a lot of people uh, in this particular story uh, of our uh, Israelite ancestors that 
uh, had decided I'm just fine worshiping Baal and I'm, I'm not going to change that or whatever it is that was their particular thing, way they were breaking the covenant. Um, but they, they, they weren't trying to come back. And that's really the key is, are, are you trying? Are you trying to come back? Because Christ makes up the difference, right? He's he's the one that makes that okay. Absolutely, and thank goodness. Thank, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. Yeah. Well, thank you, Gay. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it, these are painful stories in a lot of ways. The the scattering, uh, the fall, and the scattering of the northern kingdom, the destruction that comes, even though Jerusalem is spared. Um, it doesn't come until after a lot of uh, death, pain, heartache, and sorrow, and fear. Uh, and, and prophets, right? The number of prophets that God has sent to the people, like they don't just sin once and then God zaps them, right? Yeah. He has sent prophet after prophet after prophet asking them to repent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things as we're doing Come Follow Me right now and and, and the way that, that uh, we're doing it in this curriculum where we're doing the the storyline zip, and then we're going to get back to the prophets. That's one of the things I'm hoping. And, and so I'll probably do just like maybe even a special little short uh, cast, I call them. But anyway, short episode to try and tie prophets to the time periods. Um, but that's one of the things that I hope we're getting is that in all of this, right, just before the fall of the, the northern kingdom, you've got Hosea and Amos and Isaiah and Micah, as you said, and, and others that are, don't have names and others that have names that are mentioned so briefly, I don't remember them, uh, but you've got lots of prophets that are doing stuff. And the same thing with in, uh, the Babylonian destruction, you've got Lehi and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and I can't remember who all, but there are others that we know about. And, uh, and then we hear about prophets that don't have names again. I mean, well, they had names, but they're not named in the Bible. And uh, uh, you're so right that so much warning. And so there's another question for us is we're, we're getting warning right now. We've mentioned a number of things President Nelson has said, uh, just as you and I are talking, and it's not just President Nelson, I can think just in last conference of four or five people who have said similar things. Uh, we're getting plenty of warnings. Oh, how I hope we're heeding them. Me personally in my life and all of us uh, let's let's take this seriously, or we're going to be standing holding that threshold, uh, that door against that threshold, and it's not going to help. Yeah, yeah, well said. Well, thank you, Gay. Bless you. I always learn when I'm with you, and I'm always edified. And and I, I think our audience uh, can feel how real the scriptures are, and hopefully can uh, that allows them to apply it to their lives better. So thank you for that. Thanks for inviting me, Kerry. Oh, always a pleasure, and we'll. We'll make sure. I mean, you can come back anytime you want, but you can count. I'll be knocking on your door a number of times with New Testament. But uh, but uh, just bless you. And I hope our audience, if there's something in here that has been impactful for you, uh, do something about it. And uh, and if you think uh, that some of this would be helpful for a friend, pass this along. Uh, Gay and I love chatting with each other. We actually really do. This is just good, clean fun. But but we do this because we want to help as many people as possible. So if there's someone that uh, you feel could maybe uh, would enjoy this message, uh, then please pass it along. So thank you, and uh, remember the scriptures are real, and have a wonderful day. Thank you.